0: Welcome, everybody, back to another episode of The Rise Podcast with Robin and Meg. Way, as Meg says. If people haven't heard of The Rise, we are the Radical Youth Space for Educations. Since uh, late 2021, we've been building a youth-led community political education project. You can find us on the website, rise.org, on Instagram, all of those different pieces. And we've moved into making this podcast. It's only our second episode. If you haven't listened to the first one on School is a Crime Scene, you can find it on our YouTube. You can find it on Spotify, all of those different things. Go have a listen after this one. But we're making this podcast because lots of people visit us. We're based here in Stroud in my hometown. Lots of people visit us. We have amazing conversations with them. We seem to have lots of conversations with ourselves. I mean, we're young people trying to change the world and shooting the shit as we do it. And the podcast is really just our chance to have some of those conversations in a way that we can broadcast. It's much easier than writing a blog because no one wants to read a frigging 4,000-word essay on this stuff and so that we can dig into some of the deeper thoughts, some of the deeper feelings, some of these kind of like core threads behind our work and then you guys can give us feedback, can give us thoughts and your ideas on them as well. So for example, 10 of you liked our first video on Instagram and we got oh, one on comment on YouTube, sorry, and we got one comment. Not good enough guys. We need more feedback. Um, I'm joking. But if you ever do want to reach out to us, the rise at riseup.net, emails all over the website and those kind of things. Anyway, that's enough of a basic intro. Very quickly about myself, I'm Robin, I'm um, 29 these days, almost at the end of my youth career, use he, him and his, uh, born and raised in Stroud, and yeah, my role within The Rise is basically doing all of the boring background stuff, <laughs> like finding money, and these different pieces, and I've got some other hats which we'll explore as we go through the episode. But I'm going to hand over to my co-host here, Meg, just to say a little bit about um, themselves.
1: Hey guys, yeah, I'm Meg, um, I'm 21, I use she, they pronouns, I've um, been part of The Rise, yeah, since since pretty much um, the get-go, and um, my roles are mainly to do with um, linking what The Rise is doing with the youth campaigns that are happening in Stroud, um, and also linking what The Rise does with the wider, yeah, like wider activist groups um, and networks across country.
0: Perfect. Welcome, Megs. And what we're going to try and do in this episode is, um, well, we did it quite well in the first episode. I really like talking to a microphone. Meg absolutely hates it. So we're challenging that power dynamic, and hopefully by the end of this, you'll 50-50 have heard mine and Meg's voice. Um, This episode, just quickly then, as we go into it, is on Trust the Youth, which... I don't know if you've seen on Instagram and things. I don't know if we've been showing them off, but we got some beautiful new hoodies recently. And on our new hoodies, on the back of them is our educational pillars. So these are the things that we try and like root into all of the different pieces of education that we're organizing. And the first of them is Trust the Youth. So the idea is that this is going to be the first episode in a series going through the different, uh, the different pillars. Trust the Youth, the same one. At the end, we'll tell you what the next ones are and we'll hopefully get you a bit excited for them. But for now, what we also like to do at the beginning of these episodes is just do a quick news update. It's only going to be five, six minutes or so, hopefully. And then we'll dig into what we mean when we say trust the youth and why it's essential for all of the educational work that we do as The Rise. Okay, news break.
1: Nice. So one of I mean one of the main updates from The Rise is that the school is a crime scene campaign, which we've been um supporting some people here to get going, is um yeah, is really taking off. We've got um a lot of people involved, a lot of um yeah, really powerful conversations happening, people beginning to like see their experiences as part of the bigger picture and begin to come up with some yeah, some solutions to that against, you know, what what's being called like the crimes, the crimes of school. Um and bringing that to the wider community. So we've also, um, you know, been working with a group of educators to write declaration of support, um, and um, yeah, beginning to beginning to rock the boat a bit in Stroud about how how upfront we need to challenge things. Um, so that's really exciting. Um, make sure you check out the socials. School is a crime scene on Instagram. Also just got a TikTok um, and. Yeah. Also, if you want to know more about it, obviously check out the the previous episode for some of the thoughts behind the campaign. But also, um, you can um, either DM us or hop on our website to have a look at the um, the zine, which lays out a bunch of as cool as a crime scene zine, which lays out a bunch of the the ideas behind the campaign.
0: Yeah, and we even sent I think we sent fifteen zines off to some young radical in Paris the other day, so it's getting out there. Please let us know; we'll send you some, um, and we'll keep moving this. And yeah, there's loads of really exciting stuff coming. Next quick bit of update is especially for you, those of you in Stroud, or one of these is in July, so please travel in. We've got our next Friends of the Rise sessions; these are our open community dinners. Um, the next one is the f- coming Monday, nineteenth of June, and it's on people's justice, and it's going to be all about how do we in an un- in a in a moment when Obviously, the justice system is turning against organizers when the justice system is being used to silence even like very obvious dissent in courts. Um, how do we reclaim this ability to have people's justice, learn from our family in other parts of the world, communities of resistance who are practicing this and start winning, winning change on our own terms? That's kind of the framing. So 6 till 8 p.m. in the Trinity rooms next Monday. Come through. We'll feed you. And then we'll dig into open conversation. You don't need to be an expert. You don't need to have done this stuff before. You just need to bring your experience. And then on the 17th of July, we'll be doing it again. That one's going to be on reparatory justice and reparations and how they link into the struggle for planet repairs in the build up to uh, the attendance of the reparations rebellion on the 1st of August that we do each year. Um, supporting our family, our, some of our elders from groups such as the Stop the Mangamizi, We Charge Genocide Ecocide Campaign, lots of names here, but do Google them. They're incredible people doing super powerful work. Um, and they they do the Pan-African Reparations Rebellion in, um, in Brixton on the 1st of August each year. So we're going to be building into that in July. So we've got those two sessions, come through for them. Again, it might sound scary, it might sound complicated, but you really don't need to be an expert. You can come in from out of town um and yeah hopefully there there are offering for these spaces of intergenerational conversation in particular okay back over to Armigs
1: so um yeah in some other news we're going to be um i guess going around going around the the country in the summer to visit visit other events we're going to be at the land skills fair which is
0: in July in July
1: <laughs> at some point i'm sure you can find out if you google it um And, um, yeah, various other events across the summer. So we'd love to see people there. Um, And, yeah, follow our socials for, I guess, for more specific updates. Um, And, yeah, we've got a bunch of exciting plans um, coming this summer, which we won't share here. But if you keep updated, you will see it soon enough.
0: And as we always do with these episodes, I did a little bit there around the Repair Justice stuff. Just a quick shout out to our family over at Prahler. The Rise is part of Prahler, the Planet Repairs Action Learning Educational Revolution. That's the wider network that we are a part of in the UK and internationally. Uh, Prahler's got a website these days, prahler.net. I actually built it. So please give us some feedback on that as well. Get on there. um, Check out what we're doing as as a wider network. Super powerful stuff. Um, and also when you're on, if you go on the website, you can sign up to our, sign up to the Rises newsletter. There's a thing down the bottom and we're getting back on that newsletter hype. So hopefully these podcasts give you a bit, but there'll be much more in the newsletter. You can see nice photos of all the work that we're doing. Um, there'll be ways to, to jump on different sessions and that kind of stuff from there. So make sure you're signed up to the newsletter, bottom of the website, coming out on the 21st, and then they'll be coming out at least every three months, hopefully more regular than that. We'll also get back on the blogging and all of those different pieces as well. Is that everything, Megs? I think so. Perfect. This is when we need one of those like cheesy news jingles. No, that's the countdown jingle. Fuck. Anyway, onwards, we're going to jump back into the meat of the episode. Trust the youth coming up next.
1: So, like Rob said earlier, um, the next few episodes of this podcast, we're going to be going into what we call the educational pillars of the rise. So, that's kind of like the the, I mean it's how we try and do our educational work so it's like what are the things that are guiding us what are the things that we're trying to base the rest of our work off so like we said before trust the young people is the first one of these just to give you a little taster the other ones that we're going to go into are popular education and collective learning then intergenerational solidarity um, followed by grounding in our radical roots then planet repairs and internationalism and then action learning to round it off so these are the educational pillars of the rise and starting at the top we trust the young people as a foundational thing of if we're out here trying to create change then we need to start by trusting the young people we're going to break it into two sections i think to um explain it and the first bit is going to be about like the theory like why why do we think we need to trust the young people what does that mean and then into the practice so like how does the rise try and do this? What have we learned? obviously you know we're we're just um, practicing, so it' would also be really cool to hear other people's experience of this so so the theory why why trust the young people why um is this like a core part of our work well I guess we're coming from the we're coming from the perspective of so much stuff needs to change right and if you look at examples of social movements, if you look at protests throughout history, you'll see that so often young people are right at the front lines of creating that change um we read this amazing article by commune academy um
0: embodying chaos
1: it's called embodying chaos which is about um why yeah like what are the characteristics of young people um that make them so good at creating change at driving stuff forward um and at challenging things and it talks about this tension between the generations where you have the older generation who are like this is how stuff has been done and then you have the younger generation of like i want to work things out for myself and i want to work out who I am and you know I'm looking into the future not back into the past and if you have that tension between people then between the generations then um from there you get to have all of the conversations of so how how should our society be how should we be doing things and you know in our world at the moment like that um that conversation isn't happening there's no trust in the young people of what do they actually want and what do they actually think because young people you know we're trying to figure out who we are we're trying to figure out how we fit into the world And that makes us ask questions, that makes us be a bit rebellious, that gives us the energy um, and also like the imagination and the curiosity looking into the future, which are all things that are so crucial to creating change um, rather than, you know, having a society which is stuck in its ways um, and too scared or unable to because of lots of reasons like um, move stuff forward. So I guess that's the first thing we want to say about trusting the young people is that We think young people are central to any community's ability to create change. Because if you don't have young people, then you're not looking into the future and you don't have that vision, that drive, that passion that you need um, for, for that to go forwards.
0: Yeah, exactly, Megs. And I actually wrote an article in one of our spring zines, I think, like just a short one on that question. Like, if we're not as a community asking the question, how do we want to raise our young people and answering it alongside our youth, then we lose sight of the future itself because obviously the young people are the future and they represent the ability for our community to move forward, for our community to exist, to survive into the future. And I think what you said there about in our society, this kind of like this destruction, and we'll go into this in more detail in a bit, but what we feel like is this real, the kind of killing of any ability to share across the generations, to have this dynamic tension. Like we really like things where there is dynamic tension because that's where we believe stuff can grow. Then we think this is really reminiscent of this really powerful frame that our Uncle Kofi um, brought to us a few years ago, which is about these kind of three types of community that you find within all peoples. And those are the communities of surrender, the communities of paralysis, and the communities of resistance. And we would argue that here, a lot of us are in a community of surrender, that we've surrendered to the power structure, that we've been like lured into all of these different things, capitalism, into whiteness, all of these different pieces that are asking us to just keep calm and carry on paralysis as a community is a different space that's where you're thinking about what could be you know what might not be but you're stuck you know there's too much pressure there's all these different things and there's loads of those people here as well and those are the ones we always talk about like these are the folks we have to win over hearts and minds that kind of thing And yet a community of resistance, we would argue, is one where this dynamic tension between the young and the old, the new and the tradition, what has been and what may be, is held. Because in those surrender communities, like you say, take the UK, like we've had the conservatives in. Literally, the word conservative means that you are perpetuating the old at the expense of the new. And so they need to do things like massively disempower, disregard our young people so that they can maintain a world that right now we know is headed in an awful direction and that is falling apart. And so a community of surrender has to disenfranchise their young people if they're going to remain in this surrendered position. And so I'm going to go on and talk about communities of resistance in a second, but Meg's got a finger up and so she's jumping in. Yeah,
1: just that thing of like, if you're talking about communities of paralysis or communities of surrender, it's like is obvious that the answers, you know, in in this society, you know, where, you know, the times that we're in now, when things are so fucked up, we live in such a violent and unequal, you know, unequal society with our future. So, so up in the air. Um, And if we're, you know, if we're looking at, that's the situation, then it's obvious that at the moment, the answers aren't being, aren't being provided. The answers of how do we get out of this mess haven't been, haven't been um, provided by other people in the community. And um, and that's where young people come in, because they're you know, they haven't been living in those ways of surrender for 20, 30, 40 years. They're fresh. You know, it's like when you see a kid, even like a really a really young person who's like, that's not fair. And then an adult says, that's just how it is. We don't need any more. That's just how it is. We need to be able to hold on to the that's not fair. And I believe it can be different kind of energy, which is something that young people, because they've been in this situation of surrender or paralysis for so much less long are so much more able to bring to the conversation
0: yes meg is also 21 for anyone who wants to know and so meg is living this in the now um, as we battle to move our community forward and all these kind of things and so to bring that then that surrender that's paralysis to bring it into communities of resistance where we believe this dynamic tension is held is like this isn't just like some theory like this is also from our personal experience so one of the things that we, we talked about a little bit in the previous episode, but that me and Meg's... How we how we met each other, how we got organised organized together was through Extinction Rebellion Youth. So I helped found Extinction Rebellion Youth. Meg jumped in near the beginning, helped run Extinction Rebellion Youth London for a long time. And one of the things... And, you know, one people lots of people would... You know, lots of the people have disagreements, all these kind of things with XR. But one of the things you would agree is that XR had a go at doing some resistance in this country in some way, shape or form. And yet, one of the fundamental experiences we had in XR was that they were not ready to trust their young people.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: They All they really wanted us for most of the time was to be youth faces at the front of marches, holding placards, all of these kind of things. If we talked to the press, they wanted to give us scripts. They were controlling what different people said and did. They didn't really want to give us space in the office. When we wanted to start talking about other conversations, what for us are the climate and ecological crisis, things like colonialism, things like whiteness, things like patriarchy, that are the sicknesses that cause the symptoms of CO2, of pollution, all these kind of things. Again, XR pulled these reins. There wasn't this trust to create a learning relationship between us and them as we wanted to, what we felt like, was move the story forwards. And they were kind of holding on to this story they already had. They said, People won't get it. It's not. And we were like, You're just not going to attract any young people. I mean, you'll attract a few. But if you're actually going to win big change, if you're going to organize a rebellion, like Meg said, you need masses of youth to be there in the street going at it. However, one of the things we did learn in XR when we were part of XR UK was that there's a group within XR UK called the Internationalist Solidarity Network. Hardly anyone knows about these guys XRISN. Again, you can find their website, another website I made. Why do I make so many websites? Anyway, xrisn.earth, have a look, because what they did was they came into XR and they said, we are from communities of resistance. So our Uncle Kofi, who I mentioned earlier, Ghanaian elder, rooted in the Pan-African struggle, both here in London, South London, across the UK, but also in the continent and across the diaspora. And they said, we're not going to call ourselves XR. Of course we're not. Our communities have been in resistance since you bastards turned up on our shore Mm. and fucking tried to kill us. You know, we survived colonialism and we're here to repair the damages of it and we're fighting and we know how to fight. And they said, but you guys seem like you might be up for this. Yeah, you're saying you're a rebellion. You're saying you might be into this struggle. And so how can we work together across our communities? Now, that's a whole story for another day. And we will come back to it in the Planet Repairs and Internationalism um, episode if we don't come back to it before. But the piece within it that we want to bring into here is how we were treated by, for example, our Uncle Kofi compared to all of the other almost all of the other elders within XR UK. So I'll just hand over to Megsa.
1: Yeah, well just like an anecdote on that is that in the in the time when I was um, yeah, trying to help coordinate XR Youth London, um, we were sharing like we were doing meetings in the, the XR London office um, and during that time um, you know, we had lots of meetings and in some ways we were struggling, you know, a lot of us had never organised it before, obviously we were, you know, we were like 17 and stuff, um, we were struggling and during that time only one person came and ever sat in our meetings and gave their perspective and their thoughts and their guidance and that person was Kofi
0: One adult you mean? Yeah, one adult so
1: I say one person, yeah, one, one, one person like an adult, one person over the age of like 25.
0: You're not replicating the idea that young people aren't full people there are you Meg? Sorry Meg, kiss their teeth at me And exactly that experience, yeah. And for myself, I joined the International Solidarity Network and I was working with them trying to link into XR Youth because what we saw in that space was eldership. We saw people who said, you know, we saw them and we saw eldership. They saw us and they saw youth. They were like, we need young people. And so they made a beeline for us, we made a beeline for them and we built a relationship. And that that trust, which again we'll go on to talk about in much more depth in a second, but that trust that they showed us in showing up for those sessions when it's not like they haven't got work to do no. bloody hell they're in some you know they're fighting in communities that are under huge amounts of repression compared to most of the other You know, compared to, say, my community, community the most of my community, you know, white middle class folks who got involved in XR. And yet they were still turning up for us and they were still willing to learn. They were still willing to engage with what we were pushing. And they were bringing their heritage of organizing, their understanding, all of these different things. And they shaped us massively along the way. So there was a there was a dynamic there where there was like a, a feeling that we were needed. There was a feeling that the young people were essential to what was trying to be built. And this is what we think exists within communities of resistance. It doesn't mean that the young people and the old people always get on. Of course, it doesn't. That's why we're talking about a dynamic tension. And yet, if we aren't able to sit with this dynamic tension and make space for it, then we don't think we can build a community of resistance because, like we say, we need the older folks to ground the young people in the heritage, in the tradition, in the community. And yet we need the young people to push forward, to go on those quests, to be future-orientated, to ask how we want to be, and to say maybe we need to let go of some of these things. Maybe we need to let go of some of this stuff that's been holding us back and we can design new ways of being. And so that, you know, that's a very personal story in there. And so basically what we've said so far, trust the young people, means in young people we see the ability for our communities to transform. And if we don't have these powerful, organized young people, We won't be able to do that.
1: Stop doing it for your kids and do it with your kids.
0: Well said. Okay. hopefully that makes sense to folks. Hopefully that's youth, that's young people. But then why trust? And I'm just going to intro this and I'm going to hand over to Meg to explain some of the ways that we think intergenerational relationships don't show trust at the moment. But to begin with, I just want to say like that word trust, you know, everyone always says this is like relationships are built on trust. That's what they say. That's the the framing you hear from when you're a child all the way up and through. And yet, if you look around in our communities, what you see is you see fear, you see no space together, you see all these different things. And so what we're saying is that the reason we put trust there, why it's the first word in all of our educational pillars, is because we think that only through real trust and scary trust, you know, the kind of trust that can unravel what is and create what is new, That kind of trust is essential for rebuilding this relationship, this intergenerational relationship, again, that is central to that transformation. Mm. So Meg's going to tell us a little bit about some of the ways we think at the moment we're not trusting the young people.
1: Well, not we, maybe. We're trying.
0: Yeah, that's true. (laughs) We're trying.
1: Um, Yeah, I mean, I think, I guess one of the ones to start with is that... um, most people are scared of young people. Like a lot of people are very scared of young people. You see that even in just like, obviously like the media and stuff and the way young people are portrayed. Um, And that's a kind of obvious. And, and, but you also see it, I've also experienced it a lot in activist spaces. Um, And yeah, in in the left and people trying to, um, trying to, I guess, yeah, pull that, like Robin used the analogy earlier of like pulling the reins, trying to pull the reins on young people. And I get it, right? Because if you're um, someone who, you know, you're still, are still trying to find a bit of stability you don't want to rock the boat too much and the young people come in and they're more radical and they're challenging things more like i get that you're scared but um there's this massive amounts of fear of what young people are going to do and people are like well we'll trust them up to a point but we won't trust them any further so there's that there's that lack of like actually we're just going to go with this um because we believe or we trust that it, they're taking us in the right direction and i mean that obviously adds on to like there's just no there's no time or space together. Like there's very few places that, like apart from family, um, there's very few places that people of different yeah, ages. Yeah, family's
0: a whole thing unto itself. Yeah,
1: there's like not very many places where people of different ages gather together. Um, like in in our, you know in our society here, it's like you have. Um, you know you know older people are like sent away to retirement homes and young people are locked up in schools and in between you're just at work and it's like there's no there's no place for people to actually come together and learn from each other at all or or begin to build those relationships um yeah and that adds, adds on to like there's just no um yeah there's no um chance for people to actually learn from each other but um yeah and then i guess one of the other things they'd say is like well people just take the piss of each other, like, young people take the piss of old, out of old people saying they're stupid, um, old people take the piss out of young people saying they're stupid, idealistic, it's like, there's no, um, yeah, like this thing Robin was saying about seeing the value of, of young people, like, there's none of that, and young people definitely, as a response, take the piss out of old people, and although that can be fun and is, like, a, you know, can be, is a response to, you know, living in a society that, like, treats you a bit like crap but it's not it's not going to get us where we need to go um yeah and and you know and that's that's the last thing I'll touch on then about this like how we live in a world which has got um such a little trust of young people is like well we you know we our institutions mainly for example our education or our miseducation system is totally set up to like absolutely uh, like you know destroy young people's creativity and their energy and there, you know, and we talked about this in the last episode, so I won't go on because you're like, no, I can go on about this. But we, you know, systematically, our young people are being um, mistrusted. I guess they're being told that they don't matter until they become adults. They're being told that you're not valuable until you have your qualifications. You're not a full human being yet. Um, and you know, and this, you might say, this is you know, there's 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 similar comparisons in 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 the criminal justice system um, and in other places. But this thing of like, yeah. Like like um systemically you know, we well, you even have to look at the power structures, like how many MPs are like under the age of fifty, not many, right? It's like there's no um there's no sense that young people have the ability to um do things well, I guess. Um so yeah, system systematically like fucked over, I guess, is maybe how I'd sum that up.
0: Yeah, definitely. No, there's loads in there and I and I think like even if you look at like you know, we're working with these, these teenagers at the moment. Like, they're frigging 15, 16, they're trying to be working out who they are, mm. and they're not even trusted to know when they need a piss at school. Mm-hmm. Like, they're not even allowed... Like, that, that level of, like, trust over your, like, bodily autonomy is just, like, yeah. insane. And then that even goes to this idea that it's, like, well, especially when we talk about challenging the miseducation system, challenging school, is, like, there's this deeply held belief in people that, oh, if you don't force them to do something... Young people will be useless. And there's this, and you know, this is, you know, we would talk about this as how trauma is handed down over generations. This is how you guys were treated when you were young, and now you're doing the same to us. And we're going to ask you to stop (laughs) because at some point you have to ask that to stop. And where did this come from, this idea? And this, again, we might not get into this in this episode and we might need a longer one, but where did this come from? that there's this idea that if we don't force our young people...
1: They're going to run wild. Exactly. And we probably would because you've controlled us so heavy, but that's not the point. The point is that, you know, young people actually, at the end of the day, have a really valuable perspective on on how our world should be and are just, if we're acting badly, that's us reacting to the fucked up situation that you've put us in.
0: Yeah, and... And sorry, we're on a. Just to say also, our audio quality might be at a certain lower level than last time because I left the mic in the space and we're out and about at the moment. So I hope that doesn't matter. I hope you heard what Meg said there in terms of the words like run wild. Like that's always what comes up in this kind of space of mistrust. It's like, how can we trust you? Because if we gave you any trust, you'd just run wild. And in there, just to very quickly mention it, you have to think about the dynamics of colonialism, whiteness, Mm. the creation of wildness, you know, not even just in that, also like how we look at nature, the creation of wildness as this wrong thing, as this thing that is inherently untrustworthy, that fits into patriarchy dynamics, how often women are, you know, seen to be this wild element that is uncontrollable. You know, all of this is in this enlightenment shit. And it's the same thing. It's this infantilization of the other, in this situation, youth, so that we can create systems of mistrust which they can then internalize begin to mistrust themselves and then the power holder can say don't worry i know what's best for you it's paternalism it's the ability to undermine someone's trust in themselves to the point when even when you're violently oppressing them they'll be looking to you with trust and again this fits directly into what we were saying about communities of paralysis and communities of surrender and and again and how we inculcate, oh, long word, how we put into our young people this mistrust of themselves, which is at the core of this disrepair. And it is the core of this inability for them to be powerful in our communities.
1: And don't get it twisted. Like, obviously, we're not saying that, like, five year olds should run the country. We're just, you know, but there's a very big difference between trusting people and helping them develop a trust in themselves. And do it, l- getting people to do stuff without support and guidance, right? Well, you know, we're here to say that young people need to be trusted to actually try and enact what they believe, um, to trust themselves. We're not saying that five-year-olds should run the country.
0: Yes, exactly. Just because
1: I know someone's going to just say that. Yeah,
0: and it's yeah just no, I agree. La- it's a
1: lazy response and I just had to shut it down before they had a chance to say it.
0: Perfect. Good whack a <laughs> Not that we advocate for whacking moles, obviously. Great animals to get back into that piece then that, that one of the phrases i use when i talk about trust is i talk about this idea of radical trust partly because i like adding the word to radical to things to make it a <laughs> bit more fun but also because that's about saying how do we get to the roots of what this mistrust is and think about it in a systemic way and so what i laid out there with an understanding of how how deeply this understanding of paternalism goes this like i know what's better for you better i know what's good for you better than you do And thus, I'm going to bring into you a level of mistrust that means I can control you. This goes through so many different things. And it's a fundamental site of what we call disrepair. You know, again, a frame that we've learned from folks like our Uncle Kofi and others in the Pan-African movement. When they talk about reparations, they talk about how can we repair what is in our communities? How can we repair the world around us and repair ourselves? And for us, you can't do repair if you don't have trust. Because like I said earlier, again, all relationships are built on trust. And what we're saying in this situation is that when paternalism comes involved, when we tell the young people that they don't know what's good for themselves, and we maintain that, yes, that's something that you need to tell to six-year-olds. But when someone's 17 and you're still not letting them decide when they need the fucking toilet, yeah. you're creating a level of, to be honest, you're maintaining a level of infantilization in that young and person. Control, yeah. And, and, and control. Yeah, yeah, and control that stops them stepping into their power. And so instead, what we need is we need this radical trust that says, even though I know this relationship is broken, and even though I know that means that going into it with trust is going to be difficult, I'm going to step into this relationship and I'm going to trust the person I've been thought of here. Like I'm 29 at this point, I'm about to graduate from young people. Yeah. I'm still hanging out with youth. And I'm knowing that youth aren't anywhere near where they need to be to cause a revolution. And yet I'm hanging out with them because I'm saying, if I can put my radical trust in this group, then they can be part of the community that I need to build to take us somewhere. Mm. And that's me get you know, that's all these different things going out of your comfort zone. It's saying, I don't know what's better for you, good for you better than you do. I do know some things and I will share them with you. But you know things yourself. And even in that moment, you are putting back into that person a level of humanity Mm. Well, you're not putting it back into them. That's not how it works. It's like you're stepping away from filling this role that they've been they've been told into. And then they can bring out that side of themselves, bring out that ability to say, actually, yes, I do friggin exist in this world. I do have ideas. I do have history. I do have thoughts, all this kind of stuff. And then they can step into that power. And that, for us, is what radical trust is. You know, that's when we say trust. What that's what we really mean. We mean the rebuilding of these relationships to self, to community, to all of these different things. And that that has, and in this particular, you know, like I said, that has to happen across genders. That has to happen across racializations. That has to happen across humans and the more than human world. But in this situation, that has to happen across different ages because there's something broken in how we're dealing with our young people, and also. <laughs> It's pretty shit out there right now for young people and that we can't... As, when we have all of these things and we're in this theory space, we really can't forget the situation of the world around us as it is. Megs?
1: Yeah, I mean, you just need to look at the climate ecological crisis, for example. Like, our our literal livable environment is falling apart um, and, and people don't have jobs. People don't have access to housing. Like, the, you know, we're inheriting a world as a generation that's built on empire that's built on violence and we need to say no more like we're literally heading for extinction like literally our planet is going to become unlivable in a few generations if we're if we're not able to do something about it if we're not able to change things and as young people now we're facing that as our future um and so just to like yeah i just guess just to ground in that like you know we're not talking about all this stuff in just some like abstract way like we're literally living in a situation right now where things so urgently need to change
0: yeah and and that within that obviously the paternalistic lie that I know what's better for you than you do Mm. is fucking falling apart around us Mm. you know there aren't jobs like you say there aren't jobs there aren't houses the world is literally falling apart the Conservatives yeah. do not know what is better for us than we do.
1: And it's, it's becoming obvious, you know, to so many young people, it's, it's becoming obvious that the people in charge um, and older people in general aren't doing fuck all about what needs to be done. I think that's something that, you know, even you look at, like, 2019 and the climate strikes, like, school strike for climate, there was a lot of young people saying, hang on a sec, like, you lot really aren't addressing this. And I think that's, that's something that we need, to, we need to be able to see as, like, a yeah hang on, there's got to be something shifting here about, about the power and, and what we're believing about who knows actually what's working and what's good.
0: Exactly. And and yet, yeah, like I remember last year when we were looking at the cost of living crisis coming and all of these different pieces and it was like, there's going to be riots in the autumn, you know, that's what's going to be there. And there aren't. There weren't. Yeah. And that is the other piece of what is the now that we have to talk about when we talk about all these, these mm. things that are broken and this thing of like the stories falling apart is that we are massively disempowered as people and as communities. And this, I guess, comes to the essence of what this theory is, is to say that we will continue to be massively disempowered we will continue to be unable to step up, to win change, to fight the Tories and the forces Mm -hmm. behind them.
1: If we don't let the next generation do things different. And how the fuck are we going to do things differently if we're being put through the same miseducation system, if we're being told that we can't do anything for ourselves or for the world until we're adults, you know, and and that, that lack of trust, like we're saying. So we're in a situation where we urgently need to do things differently and therefore we need to trust the young people.
0: Wow. There you go, Megs. You summed it up. And to remember that when we say trust, and we're going to go on in a second to talk about some of the ways that we practice this and what we do, that core cool thing I want to leave with, because I'm a bit of a theory nerd, Meg likes to practice stuff, obviously, but we'll get there, is well, when we say trust, is like trust is this moment when you say, I am ready for you to be powerful. Mm. I am ready for this relationship, which is one of domination, of control, of disrepair, to change. And I know that that will only change when you, the other, the one I've been taught in this situation, young people, taught to fear, as soon as you become powerful, this relationship will change. That's the only thing that can really change it. And the trust is that. So what we're saying when we say trust, whenever you hear us say trust, what we mean is get ready for the young people to be powerful and for that power to change our communities, to change the way we live, to change our ability to win. Mm. Hopefully that makes sense wasn't too heavy, what are we doing about this in practice? There's loads of different things that we do as The Rise. And the first one of which, which I'll just mention quickly and then I'll hand over to our Megs, is that if you haven't checked out some of the blogs from last year on our website, we ran these amazing educational camps for youth. Well, we hope. Okay, Meg just undermining us with a little casual insecurity. Meg hopes they were amazing. We got good feedback, yo. Anyway, we ran these camps bringing together youth organised from across the country And we ran our popular education model, which, again, we'll come back into next time. But what we really did was we just said, hey, youth organ. We didn't say, here's a program of what you need to learn. We didn't say, this is our experience. This is what we've learned over the last four years. Let's bring together a bunch of youth organizers or even a bunch of new young people and just drill them with information. What we said was, you guys are learning things because you are actively stepping into your power and trying to change the world. And we want to learn with you. We want to be in a relationship with you where we can be in this learning community, learn together and push what we're doing. And so we invited them in and we let them, frigging, we basically let them teach each other. You know, we, we created frames, our frames around radical ancestors, our frames around action and imagination and these different things. You can read the blogs on the website, hopefully, if you're keen, that can dig into this stuff or that it's in some of our zines from last year. But it's really that pace where the, the trust was in saying... You guys know enough to teach each other. And you also know enough to reflect on what you've been learning, spot patterns, if you're given the space with others to bring this together and start building a case for how does change really happen in our generation. And this I, is
1: I think you're giving some spoilers for the next episode on popular education. I'm not gonna you lie. You think
0: I'm giving some spoilers. Okay. Okay. Sorry, Megs. That core essence of trust, we trust you guys that you are building power um within what you're doing and that you can share it with each other okay that's enough for me on the practice I'll hand over to the the practice expert
1: I don't know why I've become the practice expert but anyway um yeah so I guess to to add on to some more of like how are we actually trying to do this practically um especially given everything we laid out about how far like we think that most of society is from from doing that um from trusting the young people is like how are we trying to challenge that um, in in the day to day? So, I mean, one of the things is that we talk a lot um, in all the sessions we run about having an anti schooling space, and this means lots of things. But I think one of the things that um, it, you know, one of the things it comes down to is really about are we creating a space that people feel like a they have some level of ownership over, and I don't mean ownership in like ownership, but I mean like that people actually feel like they are they are a crucial part of them. they have the, they have the ability to shape right. So how are we, how are we having a, you know, a space where people can put their own shit on the walls, where people feel like they can do whatever they want to do, and that the things they want to do are going to be part of this bigger picture of creating change, right? So we have an anti-schooling space, and that means everything from like you can go and piss whenever you need to, through to like there's no teachers and there's no learners and that kind of thing. Um, and I think I think it might be on our website. Maybe we should upload it to our website. We've got a little little leaflet about this which I think is quite useful so maybe we can put that up for people to have a look at if they want to see the like specific wording and stuff that we have but I feel like it's, it's something that people can think about for themselves like what are the anti-schooling principles or guidelines or whatever that we want in this space or this workshop um something else that we really focus on is um trying to and that's a big part of the anti-schooling thing right it's like trying to get people to trust again in their own experiences so like robin was talking about with the residentials and the workshops that we've done before it's like for that to work you need people to actually be able to trust their own experiences and um yeah that's where like consciousness raising that's where people um actually sharing their experiences and learning from each other and being treated as if their experiences are valid is super important because if you can't trust in yourself then how the hell are you going to demand in other people to trust you when they're treating you like shit so it's that practice of like actually um all of us coming together and just basically kind of bigging each other up and also challenging each other on our shit and just being like actually what we have to say matters we need to take ourselves a bit more seriously and we're going to do that for each other we often run you know workshops where we just like sessions where we just pick a topic and get people to share their experiences and then link it to the bigger picture we did PE teachers the other day that one was that one was exciting um yeah so so that's something another thing that we do is challenging older people in the community we spend a lot of time in Stroud going to other events and being like wow I'm bringing the average age down here by, like, 20 years um, and and then saying to people, that's not good enough. Like, it's really fucking cool that there's loads of, for example, like, ecological um, and, like, farming projects in Stroud. That's important, right? We need to learn how to grow food in a more sustainable way and people need those skills. But if you haven't got any young people doing it, then what's going to happen to your project in 20 years' time? But also more to the point, like, if that's not feeling relevant to young people, why is it not feeling relevant to young people? What are you not challenging? What bridges are you not crossing? Um, and just doing that work of like actually actually going to these other projects and saying, look, we need to work together and you you guys need to support what the young people are trying to do for what you're being to you're doing to be effective. Um so that's something that we do. Um obviously as the rise we're also supporting youth campaigns, for example in Stroud the School is a crime scene campaign, you know, supporting with everything from like access to money. Um, and space down to like yeah ideas experience um, and skills and and you know helping helping get that off the ground um, in lots of different practical ways Um, and I think that's something else to say about this thing about trust is that trust isn't just like an abstract thing or isn't just like a it's not just empty words right you can't say you trust someone but then not treat them as such and what I mean by that is like the amount of like wealth for example that is hoarded by older people like in the struggle community and also more broadly like in this part of the world, is like how much, um, how much those resources are hoarded access to space and that kind of thing. And if you're actually saying you trust people, you need to put your money literally where your mouth is um, and do that work of, yeah, saying, OK, I'm going to give you this money or this space and I don't know exactly what you're going to do with it. And I don't even know if I agree, but I trust what you're trying to do and the process of this. So go for it. So that's something else that we're trying to do is encourage um, other people to... Yeah, to actually turn that trust into practice um, in Stroud. And yeah, and and, and and crucially here, like the point is we're not saying that old people have nothing valuable to give us, like to teach us, right? There's so many older people, even like in Stroud, for example, who have a lot of really valuable experience um, in specific areas like, um, you know, things like trauma-informed safeguarding in youth work is something that us as the RISE personally have like, found really helpful um, guidance from people on recently... But also more broadly, like people that have been doing activism and resistance for general, like we what a big part of this, like trust is like actually learning from people that have done things and being like, wow, these guys are cool. And then, you know, and doing finding those people where that trust can be rebuilt as a as a first step. Um, and then I guess the last thing is that we try and, you know, those characteristics that we we listed earlier, like curiosity and um, being brave and taking risks and um I don't know like being imaginative and thinking outside the box those kind of characteristics that people often see as like stereotypical of young people like we're trying to embody that we're trying to we're trying to do that as much as we can even in like the vision of what we of our work so how we talk where we go like always just showing up with just a little bit of like yeah maybe we're naive but I'd rather be naive than stuck in my ways and surrendered to the fact that our planet's going to die and everyone's treated like shit and no one's doing anything about it so embodying that energy a bit helping push push a bit more of that fire i guess rocking the boat into stroud um yeah so i don't know if i did that many like i don't feel like i necessarily did that much practicals there but that's some of the ways that we try and put what we talked about into practice in stroud and in the rise work
0: yeah and in very real ways this just looks like when you're sat with a teenager and that teenager especially for myself again like i say i'm nearly 30 now is like They do that thing where they like you're talking and then at some point they look at you like you're an adult and you're going to tell them what to do.
1: Or like for your approval. Yeah,
0: or like Meg says for your approval, like they're they're looking at you and then there's a moment when their eyes change and they go like, oh, I'm a bit unsure now. I'm going to look to this person and this person's going to tell me what to do or, oh, have I done something wrong there? Or am I even just being wrong by not knowing exactly what I need to do? And I'm going to look to this person for some guidance. And in those moments, yes, sometimes you offer guidance that's needed. But you also have those, like for me, a lot of the times it's like you have to sit there and you have to go, no, what do you want? I need you to learn to choose how to live your own life. And I need it for you, but I need it for us. And that piece, again, for for myself of like those little moments whether it's in that whether it's when someone brings work to you and they say like you know because you know we're getting these young people into roles we're helping them build what they're doing all of these kind of things and they come and they go like oh is that quite is this quite right is this not and again we say that's up to you this is your thing fucking go for it exactly and we (laughs) fucking go for it (laughs) Very articulate. And <laughs> yeah, we even tell people they don't have to be as articulate as fucking private school kids if they want to change the world. That's a whole other topic. We will get back to that. And and it's this place where you can mirror that in all of these mini interactions. And I think just to, before we go into the conclusion of the outro, we know we've kept you here for quite a while now. I hope it's been really interesting. I hope it's been really engaging. Is that I think I just want to finish with this piece of saying that in a society that doesn't trust its young people that wounding will live within you. Mm. And a lot of what you've heard here might sound exciting. It might sound really joyous, all those kind of things. It might also sound scary. It might sound invalidating. It might sound like, you know, naive, all of those different pieces. And the question I would say is like, where is the hurt in you from, from not having been trust, trusted as you grew up? Maybe you were amazingly trusted, then share that experience with other folks. But for a lot of us, whether it was through the miseducation system, whether it was in our families, whether it was in clubs or the wider community, there will be lots and lots of times where the general level of, you know, because there is a duty of care from adults towards young people when the duty of care turned into this kind of domination and control. This inability to sit with this dynamic tension and instead to shut it down and shift into paternalism. And how does that hurt sit within you? Was there a time when you believed you could change the world and people laughed you out of it? They said it wasn't possible. They said it wasn't.
1: And now you do that exact same thing to the young people that come to you asking for change.
0: Or hopefully you don't. (laughs) But that's good, (laughs) Meg. Challenge the elders. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. And one thing we want to say is that we see that hurt in other people. We see generations in this part of the world who have gone through a belief that the world can transform and have had it beaten out of them. This is what we talked about with communities of paralysis, communities of surrender. And yet what we're about with the rise, with our wider family at Preyla is about building communities of resistance. And so what we're saying is practice. Practice trusting young people. Practice knowing that what that means is that as they step into their power, They will challenge you. They will challenge you to grow and to change and to transform how you are in the world, how you are in community and how you're acting. They will ask things of you. And that now more than almost ever before is a moment when we have to reignite our ability to sit with this dynamic tension. If this generation are going to live differently and if we can't do it, then we have an absolute world to lose. Actually the only world that we have.
1: We can't have another generation that's coerced out of our belief that we can change the world.
0: Exactly. We're done with paternalism and we're getting back into resistance and resistance means working together, holding these tensions, pushing each other, pulling each other and building something together. Hopefully, that makes sense. If you want to ask us more questions about the basic practice, all of those kind of things, again, please get in touch. But for now, we're going to zoom on to our very quick conclusion and outro
1: Nice. So, hopefully, yeah, hopefully that that sparked some thoughts in you. Please let us know, um, yeah, what you thought. Send us your feedback, things you want to add on, any challenges that you've got to what we said. We want to hear it all. Um, And, like we said, this is the first in a series of the educational pillars of the rise. So, this was Trust the Young People. The next one is going to be on popular education and collective learning um and so hopefully see you there for that one um
0: yeah and because my job is to do the finances for the rise and meg talked very well earlier about the practical work of putting trust in young people then please do head over to our website top right you'll see where it says support it will take you to our open collective page you can set yourself up there as a monthly donor anything yeah you can set yourself up as one pound a month 50p a month £5 a month would be super, super useful. Also, Prahler, as we've talked about, that's the wider network we're part of. The Prahler Fund is set up on Chuft. They're looking for funding. That's super important for all of the grassroots communities of resistance that we're linked with, the ones that we're learning from, like we talked about with our Uncle Kofi, like we have been linking up with communities around the world. There's going to be loads more stuff coming. Like Meg said, we've got more podcast things. Tune into the website. Tune into different stuff. And again... Let us know. No one let us know. Last time, we had a lot of asks for a name for this yeah, podcast. Yeah, what? Exactly. No one let us know for a name. So for now, it's just called The Rise Podcast. Which is boring as hell. Which is boring as hell. So if you listen to this, you got a name cooked up for us. Throw it over to us. Our Freya will rip up a new graphic, and we'll be ready to go for the next episode. Finally, big th- shout out, big thanks to our poppy youth. Um, sound producer who is sitting through our recording and is going to be editing this and putting it together it will come out you know hopefully you're seeing this on youtube or spotify share it with folks subscribe all of those kind of things i'm not very good at social media follow i guess anyway for now love and power family we're fighting for something here let's keep moving the future awaits and like we say as the rise and all of us trust the young people